0: You may not be there yet. You may not be ready to plan for the year. But I think doing a little bit of planning right now and getting into it as the weeks go on will really help with the goal of getting to no work outside of contract hours. That is the goal. I think it's a really realistic one. I will give you in this episode three strategies and mindset shifts that you can use to get down to working only within contract hours. So let's go. Welcome to Anti-Burnout for English Teachers. I'm Danielle Hicks and I am your host. I will be in this podcast going over tips and strategies to avoid burnout. Being an English teacher is so tough and we really need to together and figure out ways that we can continue to build a great English classroom and also not feel depleted by the end of the year. So let's go. When we teach our students how to write for variety, We'll talk to them about changing up the way that their sentences begin, the way that they end, their sentence structure. We like a long, stretchy sentence and also those short, punchy sentences. I love a short, punchy sentence. It is my favorite when students are able to do this effectively. It's surprising. It's fun. It really helps me to focus. It's often clever and I bring this up to give you a little bit of a comparison, because I think the way that we instruct our students in that writing for sentence variety is the same way that we need to approach our year in our curriculum planning, because just like we need to have those spaces in our writing, We also need to have those breaths in our units, in our curriculum. So today I'm going to talk to you about the three ways that I think that you can give your year some breath. That's going to help you get down to the goal of just working within contract hours. And I will say last year I was almost there almost working just within contract hours because I had the two literary analysis units were where I needed to put in a little bit more time by a little bit more. I mean, I spent, I think, a total of 10 hours outside of contract hours. It's, it's cheating a little bit because I did spend time over the summer planning so that I could have that year be just within contract hours and I will say it was glorious so I want to help everyone else get there because I think it was so helpful for my work-life balance and for mental health and it's just such a good goal and I think that it's realistic for many of us. Okay, so let's get started talking about it. So I have three suggestions for how you can give your units some breathing room, your curriculum some breathing room. Okay, so the first one is to plan for your energy. And when I was thinking about this, I thought about two different ways to think about this. One is the Pomodoro method where you will spend some focused energy and then take a break so you might you all set your timer and say I'm going to work for 20 minutes or 40 minutes there's a specific time frame that you would do for Pomodoro method but I think having that I'm going to work intensely for a certain amount of time and then I'm going to take a break And then go back at it and spend however much time is a good way to think about it. So what you'll do is think about it like this. For one, there is going to be a limit to how long you spend on any unit. And I think a good, a long unit would be six weeks. I think. Every unit could be between two and six weeks, but shouldn't go above six weeks. And this would be like if you are reading a book for longer than six weeks, like you're tired, the students are tired. It's just not a good book. So thinking about your units and then thinking about how much time you're going to spend on each of them and having that variety of time on them and also matching up your units so that you have that pomodoro type strategy so if you're going to go intensely for six weeks follow that up with two weeks of I don't want to say not rigorous because you want to have I I want my year to all be engaging where students are thinking deeply but if we I'm not going to follow up a hard literary analysis unit with an easy literary analysis unit, if that makes sense. What I might do is have maybe a media analysis after a literary analysis unit. So I might have a follow-up be maybe a film. I might have poetry after that, maybe have research, something that's a little bit different so that students get a break. And also I get a break. Or, so break, something different, you know, so what we have, some of the units that you teach are going to feel easier than others, so think about what's going to be easy for you after something that is maybe hard for you, maybe you have to pull your students through that literary analysis unit, so don't make something right after that something where you're going to have to pull them through. So... That is that. Okay. So if you don't have a lot of flexibility in the way that you are able to plan, like you maybe have a, um, like you have to teach X and then you have to teach Y, and maybe you have to do it during a specific amount of time as well. So you don't have that much flexibility. My suggestion is to think about it like this. So I'm a track coach and I coach sprinters. And to me, Doing any distance running feels impossible. Even though I'm a I'm a, I'm a track coach, I'm a sprint track coach. So I coach athletes to run fast for short periods. So if I told my athletes you are going to go out and run two miles today, they would complain a lot. They would complain a lot, a lot. But I might have them run that much volume. I'll use an example with a mile, or I'll talk about it in like a 1600. So that would be four laps around the track. Okay, so if I were to say run a mile right now, if you are not a runner, you might be like, that sounds terrible. I'm not doing it. But if I say, all right, how about instead of that, We'll run one lap four times. And maybe now you're like, okay, that sounds fine. We'll do one lap four times. We'll take a break in between. The break can be however, like, you know, we can catch our breath. You may already be with me, but maybe you're not. If I said instead of that, the, the one lap four times, we're going to run just the straight part of the track. And we're going to do that 16 times, but you can take a break in between. For me and for my athletes, that last example feels the easiest, both physically and mentally. So for you, what you might do if you don't have the flexibility of moving around units, or even if you do, you might want to try this, break up that larger unit into smaller pieces they can have a slightly different focus. Maybe you have a like medium-sized assessment, or maybe you don't really have a medium-sized assessment, but you pitch it that way to students. So I always like to call things quizzes, even if they're not, I mean, like what makes something a quiz, right? It's something that they're going to do independently, that I'm going to grade. And if I put the word quiz to it, it has some kind of for them um I need to focus and do well on it mentally it even though I think they catch on that Jedi mind trick still works for them like this is a quiz they're like this is a quiz oh no I didn't study or I'm not prepared uh you know it's it's a it's an interesting thing but okay so that to say make some kind of assessment like if you're going to break this up break it up into having that like medium sized assessment that or something that you call a medium sized assessment that breaks up that unit. Um, And then you still have the major assessment at the end of this unit, but it feels a little bit more manageable because you're instead of doing maybe eight weeks, you're doing two, four weeks or, you know, you're breaking it up into four and two or something that makes it feel, feel different. And it's it's it makes it a little bit more of a sprint instead of a marathon, which I think helps mentally. You know, you're just going to push into those last reps. Okay, so that's the first the first idea. So plan for your energy. Think about the Pomodoro method and break up your units or arrange your units in a way that you can have. Times of rest for you mentally, for students, as a change, plan for that. Okay, the second thing that I think that we need to plan for in order to get to this only working during contract hours is plan for your grading life. And this was the biggest mindset shift for me because the way that I started thinking about this is... If we are, let's just imagine that we aren't supposed to work outside of contract hours. It feels impossible when you look at the amount of grading that we need to do, unless you plan assuming that it's going to work. Assume that it's going to work. And also plan for grading assignments that you're actually really going to want to look at. If you don't feel excited by an assignment, then don't give it. If you have the flexibility not to give an assignment, don't give it. Figure out how you can make that writing prompt one that you want to read. Or maybe... It's if you don't have flexibility in the prompt, figure out how you can get your students to say things that are actually interesting. And I went over this in the last podcast episode or two ago where I was saying, really, you can set yourself up, you can set your students up to say some really interesting things if you backwards plan for it. If you think about what would I really love for my students to dig into and give them that, like give them lots of good brain food. Say, I'm going to say, um, if you eat this passage, you are going to really feed your brain and give me something good. So think about that as you're planning. So like, where can you point your students to give you something that you want to read later? That, and also, if you have the flexibility, give yourself variety if that's what you need, or have them do, like, we want our students to to investigate what's interesting for them. And also, we need for what is interesting to them to also not feel terrible for us so i think really this gets at we need to make sure that our students have something to say and i i guess as i'm saying this i'm like of course that's that's what we want to do but we don't necessarily approach it that way i think now we're getting to a point where i'm really hopeful as we move into this stage of technology that we are able to I, I feel it I'm like my fingers are crossed and I hope that I'm right in this and that we can back away from the formulaic writing a little bit more it will mean that we have to really push back on those tests but maybe that's that's what will happen when we see we need to train our students to be more than just a computer. So what, what I'm hoping is that we can get more to imagination. So think about ways that you can help your students to be more imaginative and creative so that you are getting those products that feel interesting and unique and engaging for you. All right, so that is part one of two. So we're we're on planning for your grading life. So that's one thing. You want to think about assignments that are interesting for you, but also think about how you can actually grade them. So we have a couple jobs as writing teachers. We need to give them those pieces of feedback that move them toward various things while they're writing. So that might be, depending on your objectives, that might be focusing on a skill. It might be focusing on what I was talking about before, like having a strong argument or an interesting argument, a creative line of thinking, thinking about like the depth of analysis. Those are all things that we will give them formative feedback on. And that's, I think, for me, what takes the most time. And this is what worked well for me to get down to that only working during contract hours, spending the most grading time on my formative assignments. So formative assignments are smaller, so you're able to give that feedback quicker so, you can obviously go through thirty paragraphs faster than you can go through thirty essays, right? So spending thinking about how you can give strong formative feedback during the unit, like or doing like in process writing, actually during the unit, that's what I meant. So during the unit, you can give those examples that they're able to transfer those skills when they get to the summative assessment and the summative assessment should really be pretty quick in my opinion you're not grading putting a ton of feedback on it because you've already done that you should uh, so if your students are going back to their writing which I hope that they are those assignments that you put a lot of time and effort into you shouldn't have to be making the same comments now in their final assessment that's Maybe idealistic of me, but really if we've set students up to say you're, you're doing the exact skill that you've been practicing over the unit, then when they get to the summative assessment, hopefully they'll want to go back to those, those um, comments that you spent so much time putting together. When it's at the end of a unit, they don't care anymore. So if, If you're spending time pouring through, putting feedback on those final essays when they don't really have that much opportunity to really, you know, improve on that or practice again, like it just doesn't make sense. Okay, so spend the time. Okay, so now that means... Planning for your grading life, thinking about how long it is going to take you to give quality feedback on those paragraph assignments or those quote analysis assignments, whatever it is that you decide to do as that formative assignment, and then planning around that. So between those assignments, you're going to give something that does not take a lot of time outside of class to grade. Ideally, it's going to be something you can grade during class or right after class. So that might be something like a presentation that you can grade right there. It might be something that's visual. It might be a group assignment. So you'll only have maybe five or six to grade instead of 30. But really think about how you can plan that, you know, variety so that you can focus your time on the those formative assessments. Putting quality feedback on there. So that you can save the time for the summative assessments. Planning your grading life part three. I said it was going to be one of two. But I just thought of another thing. So you'll also want to plan just your life. And I realized I actually put these together so I'll put planning for your life in a separate one so the third planning for your life so think about um vacations that you're going to take obviously you're going to think about holidays but you're also going to think about when maybe you might get sick when your kids get sick giving yourself a little bit more wiggle room around there and Also thinking about where your energy is high and low. So if you get a slump in the winter, then plan a lighter load during... So here's the thing, right? So we can say that this would be... You're doing a little bit of a cop-out by saying... I need to take it easy during the month of January because that is when I get the winter blues. But if you try to stay, pedal to the metal, and you are you can't handle that mentally and physically, then everybody suffers. You suffer, the students suffer, it's, your family suffers, everything is terrible. So taking that in mind and or keeping that in mind and deciding because that is a tough time for me that's a tough time of the year for me I'm going to plan something that is going to give me life that's what needs to happen that's it so I think we need to be a little bit more conscious of the fact that we're humans that we need to be aware of what is difficult for us and what is easier for us not reducing the quality of the education for the students. I think that it raises it. As I said, I think that having a good understanding of yourself and where you need to slow down and when you can really go, giving ourselves that permission to do that variety, maybe splitting up the units, as we were saying, using these strategies, I think that's going to be better for the students because we're going to feel better. So these are the strategies that I use to just think big picture about the year to get myself to that no working outside of contract hours. Next episode, I'll get a little bit more into specifics. But this is really a lot of that big picture planning that really gets me most of the way there. Once I've planned for this then we get into the details, which I said next week, that's what's happening. Until then, I hope you enjoy your planning and check out. I'll put a link in the show show notes if you would like a planning document, you can sign up for my email list and I'll send that to you. It's a little bit different than what you may have used in the past because it's linked and it has a little bit of um, way, it has a couple ways that you can use these strategies. And I think that you're going to enjoy it. So check that out in the show notes. And until next time, happy planning hey everybody I would love to send you a freebie so what I've put together is a curriculum planner it will allow you to keep track of all those ideas that you're having the backwards planning that you're doing the concepts that you're including and also thinking about all of those little things that pop up planning for that now over the summer and also through the year You can grab that at English Classroom Architect forward slash planner. That will also get you signed up for my email where I'll be sending you additional tips and strategies. We will be able to get to know each other more and I will love to see you there.